Beautiful. Father, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for every healing, every miracle, every provision, every breakthrough, Lord God, that we will see a result of the prayer that we have just prayed. Because we know that you are a prayer answering God. Lord, that you don't hold back. Lord God, you lavish your children with blessings and favour, Lord God. So I pray, Lord God, that every person right now with sickness, that sickness would be gone. Cancer, you are cursed. You have no right to be in that person's body. No right. Tell you to leave right now in that person's body. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for the healings of viruses. Lord God, protection from viruses over people's lives right now. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the provision, the hand of God that provides over every family, every individual. Lord, I thank you for the peace that is in people's houses right now. Ha ha. Church, that's the favour of the Lord. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that was different. I love it. It's great. Fantastic. Well, thank you team for leading us in worship and it was brilliant and church I'm excited to share a word with you and uh, uh, I really feel this is a prophetic word over our church if not the body of Christ and um, I pray I do it honor because it's something that's been burning in my heart and uh, even just brings me to emotion as I start to believe and start to uh, feel what God is really wanting to say to his church right now and um, I'm very excited about it. In 1000 BC, 1000 years before Christ, before common era, um, Solomon, King Solomon heard his father, David say, it is not right for the presence of God to dwell in a tent. I wanna build God a house. And that was David's desire. Solomon somewhere heard that and picked it up. And at 1000 BC, around about that time, Solomon built an amazing temple right in the middle of Jerusalem there. And uh, it was a glorious building from all accounts and amazing for its time, it was amazing. And had outer courts, then had inner courts, and then there was the temple, and then there was the Holy of Holies, right in the middle. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt. And that's where the presence of God was and dwelt. And so much so that the legend is that only one priest could go in once a year to the Holy of Holies. And even then, if he was seen to have... Um, sin which hadn't been atoned in his life, he would be struck dead. Whoa, they're going to go in there once a year. And uh, incredible thing. Around about 580 BC, uh, the Babylonians through Nebuchadnezzar, they sacked the city. They came in and took it and they, they took thousands and thousands of the Hebrews off to Babylon captured them, destroyed the walls of the city and destroyed the temple and devastated. At that time, there was a guy called Ezekiel, one of those crazy prophets who everyone listened to what he said because it kept coming true. <laughs> and he spoke, he was a prophet of God, Ezekiel. And um, he was actually exiled into Babylon. And at the time of the destruction of the temple, he heard about the destruction and he has this vision and Ezekiel's chapter 40 through to 46 are all about this new temple that is to be built. And it really gave hope to the, the Hebrew people and, um, because the, the temple was so significant to the Hebrew, now the Jewish people. Um, and to this day, it is still so 
are significant to them because that is where you went to worship. You couldn't go to worship anywhere else. You had to worship there because that's where God's presence was. And it's true, the presence of God was there. And um, so he had this dream. And, and when you read it, it's incredible, this building that he dreamt up. And it was um, huge to such, such detail. Palm, palm trees engraved on the columns and all these different things and lots of eating areas and for sacrifice to be eaten and what have you. But then we got to Ezekiel 47. And that's what I read. And as I read this, I really felt the Lord speak to me really strongly. I don't have that often, but when I'm reading it, I've really felt emotional as I read it because I really felt the Lord speaking to me for our church and for a message for our church. And I want to read it too. It's a bit lengthy. Ezekiel chapter 47. I'm just going to read the first 12 verses. Um, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east for the temple was facing east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around to the outside and the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured 500 metres and then he led me led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured another 500 metres and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured another 500 metres and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured yet another 500 metres and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. Verse 6. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be many, very many fish. For this water goes there and the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Edengedi, Engedi, and Engelaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds like the fish of the great sea. Verse 11. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks and on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, for their fruit, nor their fruit fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month because of the water, um, sorry, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. What an incredible dream. What an incredible vision. Bit odd. He just describes this incredible uh, temple for the first, from verse, uh, chapter 40 to chapter 46. Then 47, all of a sudden this river appears coming out of that wonderful temple. Many believe um, what he described was the second temple, which was built at around about 516 BC. 
and um, was built by Zerubbabel, great name. And uh, of course, Ezra and Nehemiah had a lot to do with it as well. And it was only a small temple, but Herod actually gave it lavish refurbishment around about 20 BC. And again, it became a, a, an incredible place for the Jewish people that that's where they would go to worship. The temple was everything. Unfortunately, the second temple, Zerubbabel's temple, or Herod's temple it's actually called, was destroyed in 70 AD by the Roman army. Not one block was to lay on another and it was absolutely destroyed and the Jewish people were devastated. And to this day, they're believing for the third temple. And uh, in fact, what the issue in Jerusalem right now is the fact that uh, right where they believe the temple was built, uh, the Muslim religion has actually built a thing called the rock, which is the rock in which Muhammad was meant to have ascended to heaven. And um, it's right on that spot. There's a big golden dome on top of it right now. In fact, a lot of archaeologists believe that it actually wasn't there where the temple was built. It was actually 600 feet to the south of there, which means it's a spot there where the Jews could actually build the temple because they believe when the third temple is built... Through the eastern gate will come the Messiah. And that's why the second temple and the first temple, no one else was to enter through the eastern gate because where the Messiah was to come in. I look at this and I realise something. This whole prophecy that Ezekiel um, prophesied was all really about how the third temple works. How it works. Because I actually believe that um, not like many others, many others actually believe we're waiting for a third temple to be built, but I actually don't. Because I actually think the third temple has been built. Church, the Bible teaches us very clearly that you are the temple of God. Paul actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 actually says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. He's talking to the church. In chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, he's talking to individuals and he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You see, a temple where God would draw people to worship was originally built out of stone and built with man's hands. But that's not the case anymore. I remember Jesus actually making the words. He said, if you tear down this temple, he pointed at the temple in Jerusalem at the time, the second temple, would have been around about 30 AD, around there. And he said, you tear this down and I'll rebuild it in three days. Wow. In fact, the scribes got very upset at those days because he said that. Interesting thing that Jesus actually said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Um, the big issue was she was a Samaritan and they weren't allowed in the temple. They weren't allowed in Jerusalem. They had to stay in Samaria, so they worshipped God on a mountain. And um, the Jews say, well, only true worship can be at the temple. And she actually has a go at Jesus about this. She says, well, what, what's the deal with this? And he says, the time is coming and it's even now here where you don't have to worship God at the temple or on the mountain. You can worship him anywhere. It's all a matter of spirit and truth within your heart. He was talking about the production or the building of the third temple. You destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it. I'll make a third temple in three days' time. 
It's not something that was built with hands. It's not something that was built by man. It's not made out of bricks. It's something that God built with his death, resurrection, and his actual, his death, burial, and resurrection, and came into action on Pentecost when the, the Spirit came and dwelt within his body, the church, in the individual believers, but also as a group. They are the temple of God. You can worship him anywhere in spirit and truth because you are the temple. Very interesting thing. The temple where everyone used to come to worship God, the actual prophecy from Ezekiel was a picture of from um, the, the presence of God actually going from the temple, not to the temple, which is very interesting, don't you think? The next thing out of this whole prophecy that Ezekiel had was that from the temple, this new temple was living water coming. Living water flowed. From there, in fact, every creature that touched this water actually began to live and, and, and thrive. Every creature that touched it came alive. The Dead Sea, in which it actually flowed into, as you know, the Dead Sea is full of salt and nothing can actually live in it. It's so salty. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. But when this river went and touched this Dead Sea, it became alive. The water became fresh. Then we read in the prophecy there that fishermen filled their nets with so many fish. It's incredible. They've never seen so many fish. It's a prophecy of the result of what this new temple is all about. You see, the temple was to be an active thing, going around and finding and blessing people and bringing provision to people. That's what the temple was all about. Bringing God's favour and God's blessing like living water to the people rather than the people coming to the temple. That's how we turn it around. You see, I believe this is God's plan for his church. That we would have a drink from the fountain of living water and then that water would actually become something really huge, huge. He showed this at the temple. He said to the, I'm sorry, he showed this at the well when he said to the lady, the woman of the well, he said, if you ask me for a drink, I'd give you a drink and you'd drink living water and you'd never thirst again. That's what he's talking about. It relates right back to becoming that whole uh, temple of God where the, the river's actually flowing from you. In fact, when you read church history, you actually read about this lady who was the woman at the well. Her name was Fortina. And Fortina, we see in the Bible when Jesus, she re realizes that Jesus is the Messiah, that God is visiting earth, wow, she runs to a village and begins to share and bring people along. She took a drink of this living water and something happened inside of her. Something started flowing out of her life instantly. But what the Bible um, cuts short on is her history, what she went on to do. Fortina, legend says that um, she had five sisters and two sons and, and um, she became a, a minister who would reach out to her, not only her town, but she'd travel from town to town with them, sharing the gospel and the good news. When she heard that Peter and Paul had been martyred, she actually fled to Africa and set up churches there and began to evangelize there until God spoke to her and said, I want you to go and speak to Nero, the, the Roman emperor. So she did. She, her five sisters and her two sons, they packed up and went back to Rome 
and began to, and they asked to meet with Nero, and they got to meet with Nero, and um, he instantly had the two sons killed, and had the ladies, the, the six ladies imprisoned. And legend tells us that those six ladies began to uh, win the imprisoned ladies around them to Christ. In fact, one writing actually says it turned into a cathedral. The, the prison turned into a cathedral of people who would worship God. Herod, I mean, Nero actually even sends his daughter and she gets converted. <laughs> the daughter was meant to actually convert her back to Roman gods. Fatina, this woman at the well who was mixed up, who was, who was her own um, view of herself was not very good. Her life was trashed, but yet she took a drink of this living water and became a, a, a river herself. John chapter 7 actually says this. On the last day of the feast, Jesus um, stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is what Fatina was all about. This is what her life showed. She took a sip of the living water. It became a river, a flowing river of life. Anyone who would touch that water will be blessed. I think about this living water church. That living water, which if you're a Christian, you've drunk from that living water. Jesus Christ, the, the, the ultimate living water. You've drunk and it has changed your life. But it's meant to flow from the temple now. And that's what this vision that Ezekiel had was all about. But look at this. You see, it's more than just having a great experience and loving God. It's about what it does for others. Ezekiel 47 verse 12, remember? And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees of food. Their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fall, fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month because of the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Wow. Think about it. This is what this Ezekiel saw on the banks of the river. When I read that, it reminded me of Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. And all the Psalm actually, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinner nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is the promise of those who walk with God. This is the promise that should be in every Christian's life, right? But then we have Ezekiel's dream where the river's flowing and even the banks, on the banks of the river, those on the sidelines are being blessed. Now, church, I've been speaking for probably months now about, do you know that you're favoured of God? The favour of God is on you. Confess it. Speak it out. Why? Because those on the banks can see your life. Those on the banks, what flows out of you, they can see it and it blesses them. Oh, from church, this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity. This is the moment which I believe God has been waiting for in our church that we understand something. That we are the temple of God and out of us flows that living water.
And that living water helps so many people. Like Fontina, that lady at the well, that woman well who was broken, but she found the living water and it changed her life, but she didn't stop there. She went to her village and everybody in her village heard it and many of them received it. You go on to read that many of them were healed. But then history tells us about what happened when she actually went and spread the rest of her life, seeing many in jails come to the Lord. That's only what we read about. There's many others too. Church, this is what it's about. If you're thinking that I can't wait to get back to a building for church, I think you've got it wrong. Because I don't think God's idea for church now has anything really to do with a building. Now here I stand in a beautiful building in which we've all met several times and I love it. I can't wait for us to come together and worship God together. That's gonna be an incredible day. But can I tell you, that is not what we're pursuing. We're pursuing God and God is pursuing through us many others. He wants that river to flow through our lives so that others can experience it. And I believe God's challenging us, church, to realise something. It's, things are different now. We will come back together and we will worship when we're allowed to. But I don't want that to be the heartbeat of our church. I want this river flowing with life out of every temple. I want that to be the heartbeat of our church. I want that to be what people see. Just quickly as I close, I want to talk a little bit about this river. You see, he was led by a man and no one really knows who that man is. No interpretation seems to indicate who it is. And it began with ankle deep water. Then he went on another half a kilometre and the water was up to his knees and then another half kilometre up to his waist and then another kilometre, he, he, he was out of his depth and he couldn't touch the bottom anymore. And he was really, when you're swimming, you're at the mercy of the currents. It can take you wherever it need, needs you to go. The irony is when they used to go to the temple to worship, the presence of God was in the middle, but they had to go through many different phases of courts to get there before they could get to the Holy of Holies. Well, this one's reversed, it's from the temple. And I believe what it is when we go ankle deep, it's when we've experienced God's grace and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Oh, Pastor Rick, I just love Jesus. It's wonderful. But He's calling you further into this river. So you walk a bit deeper and you get into this knee deep river and wow, God answers my prayers. Pastor Rick, when, when, I, when I spoke and, and, and I felt good because it blessed someone else and Oh man, I was generous and that person help, got help. Because, and mate, I'm favoured because of that. That's true. But then you walk a little bit further, God's drawing you even further into His presence and get up to waist deep and, and you learn that, do you know what? God owns everything that I own. It actually belongs to Him. And then you realise that your life is on earth to glorify Him. And you've, you find joy and peace and fulfilment in that. And all of a sudden, material possessions aren't what counts anymore. It's what counts is that you do His will. And it's wonderful, but He's even calling you in deeper than that. He's calling you deeper into His presence, deeper into His favour. 
to a point where you can't touch the bottom anymore, where you can't, you're, you're out of depth and He will take you wherever He wants you to be. And I think in this modern era, not many Christians get to that point. But church, I believe God is calling us. Would you dare go to a point where you can't touch the bottom anymore with God? Into this river. Because you are favoured of God. God has put blessing over your life. And I believe God is really wanting to do that. Why? Because on the riverbanks, there are people watching your life. There are people observing. God's drawing them to the banks to watch the river. And God is asking you, would you please come into the deep parts where my evidence, the evidence of my favour is seen. Because when you're out of your depth, bad things might happen, but they don't shipwreck you. They don't take you out. It doesn't matter because you survive. You go through winters, but you still produce fruits. You go through hard times, but there's still fruit in your life. Your, wheat, your leaves do not wither. And all of a sudden, those around you on the banks they actually see it and they see the favour of God and the splashing of this water splashes up on them. And all of a sudden we start seeing changed lives. And that river flows into dead seas and they come alive. The gospel comes alive in people's lives and they become spiritually alive. Oh, the saltiness gets taken away. It says there, there'll be some swamps and marshes where they're not part of the river. They remain salty, but the river's fresh. Church, I'm gonna ask you, would you come with me? Go deeper? I honestly believe there's a word from the Lord for us. Church is gonna be very different from now on. Yes, we will meet again, but even if we don't, the temple of God is active. You are the temple of God. And the river of God flows from you. And the vision I have and what I can see when I read this was in all districts, all areas, all towns, all cities, all nations, as a result of this church, Strong Nation Church, that we are seeing this river flowing everywhere, whether we meet in a building or not. Oh, a church without walls. That's what I see. Now, I think we should gather together Gather together in homes, gather together in groups of 20, 200, 2,000. That's all good. And we still will do that. I wanna emphasize, we still will do that. But what really matters, church, is the rivers of living water flowing from each of the temple. All of us. Would you go deep? Would you go deep to a point where you can't touch the bottom anymore? where your life is just totally entrusted to God. Yep, bad things will happen. That's okay. But I think when you're ankle deep or knee deep, you can still jump out of the river. Try and jump out of a river where you can't touch the bottom. You can't. Someone many, many years ago wrote a commentary on Ezekiel chapter 47, and they just wrote this and it really struck a chord with me. The gospel of grace, he's talking about the river. It's the gospel of grace and the gifts of the Holy Ghost whereby are thereby conveyed into the hearts of believers and poured out upon the world by the death of Christ. Wow. 
It's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here we are today at Pentecost Sunday. I love Pentecost. I love the fact that Jesus said, wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Well, in Australia here, we're literally ends of the earth. You couldn't get much farther away from Israel than here. And it's still spreading. That Holy Spirit is with us today. He dwells in you, church, as individuals and as a church. And I pray that that Holy Spirit, we would understand that. And I've got a feeling this, going deeper in the river is really having a true understanding of the Holy Spirit being within you. What that means, He's my provider. He's my healer. He's the one who comforts me. I can get through anything because He's with me. Not only that, He's their healer on the banks. He's their provider. And with the help of those who are the temple, they can get through anything. We splash the favour of God all over them. And I believe that's what the church is called to do. That's why we will always do good works because we splash favour over everybody. But what I love to see is when people are doing it on their own bat, in their workplace, in their schools, in their streets or amongst their football teams and soccer teams, netball teams. Wow, that's what I see is important. Church, I can see us spreading rapidly and, and seeing the river flow everywhere. Can you see it as well? That's why I keep telling you, you're favoured of God. The favour of God is on you. It's on your generations. Justin and Lisa, the favour of God is on you. Jan and Shane, the favour of God is on you. Bess and Brent, the favour of God is on you. Everyone, the favour of God is on your marriage. It's on your family. It's on your generations. Why? Because you are the temple of God and the river must flow from you to others on the banks. They flourish because you're the river. Everyone, where you are right now, just close your eyes. I want to pray over you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the favour, the grace. It's all about the grace. None of us deserve it, but you give it liberally anyway. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that people who are hearing my voice right now would Lord understand your favour and they'd be full, fully open to receiving it with faith right now. But Father, would you begin to take them by the hand into the ankle deep water, to the knee deep water, to the waist deep water. And Holy Spirit, will you take us all out to the depths where we can't touch the bottom anymore. Where, Lord, we are just at your will. Oh, Christians, that's where you want to be. At God's will. It takes your worry away. It takes grief away. Because you always have joy and you always have God's presence of comfort with you. 
Thank you. Holy Spirit, would you just minister that to every person? Every person. Every person. Lisa and Pete, you are favoured of God. The favour of God is on you. The favour of God is on you. Thank you, Father. Well, amen. Amen. Well, I pray you understand what I'm trying to communicate. This Word of God, I encourage you, why don't you read through Ezekiel 47, the first 12 verses, and allow it to minister to you, the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Hope you had a great time with communion today as well. And I pray that God's blessing would be so evident on you that you can't stop smiling all day. Have a fantastic week. God bless you.